Welcome to Becoming Your Best Version. I interview amazing women who have inspired me in Subway. And today I'm really excited to introduce you to a law school classmate of mine, Linda Roselle. We have not seen each other in oh, 30 plus years. And I'm so happy that our paths crossed once again. So I will tell you a bit about her and we'll dive in. Linda has lived most of her life in Virginia where she earned a bachelor's and a master of arts degree in foreign affairs and then a JD at the University of Virginia. After law school, she joined the firm Hunton and Williams as an associate on the antitrust and trade regulation team in Washington, DC. She subsequently worked as an attorney advisor on the personal staff of two presidential appointees to the Federal Trade Commission. She also has worked as a massage therapist and run a small business providing in-home therapeutic massage for pregnant women. She served in a number of capacities at Tepeyac Family Center, a nonprofit OBGYN practice in Fairfax, Virginia, and the primary program of Divine Mercy Care, a charity devoted to transforming hearts through healthcare. She was married for more than, for 21 years and has two grown children and an elderly Chihuahua. Raised Catholic, as I was, Linda fell away from the church for many years. To her surprise, she rediscovered her faith as an adult. She actively volunteered at her local parish and parish school, as well as serving as a Girl Scout leader when her children were young. In 2018, Linda retired, moved to Florida, and embarked on her marvelous adventure as a full-time nomad, uh, living her in an Airstream travel trailer. She started a travel blog in 2019 called TinCanPilgrim.com and wrote a book chronicling her transformation to life as a tin can pilgrim, including her ongoing growth in her faith and practical skills needed to live in and tow her Airstream trailer. Linda seeks to live out her Catholic Christian faith in her ordinary everyday life as she travels around the country visiting and writing about shrines, religious sites, and the beauty of creation. She invites others into the community of nomads and wanderers that she has found on the road and shares the signposts that continue to lead her to radical trust in God. She enjoys volunteering and spending time with the many friends she has made in her travels across the country. She's penned a really interesting book called The Tin Can Pilgrim, which we will talk about. And she has a blog that is really interesting. Actually, the book is called Journeys with a Tin Can Pilgrim, From Corporate Lawyer to Airstream Nomad, Finding Joy in Everyday Life. And it's available on Amazon and anywhere you can order books. So welcome, Linda. Thank you, Maria. It's great to get to see you. Uh, well, I know we're on a podcast, but I can actually see you on Zoom. So that's kind of awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm coming to you from a field in Marion, North Carolina, where my Airstream is one of about 200 parked in rows for a rally called Alumalina. Wow. And I'm going what is that? What is the rally? Well, a rally is a gathering of 
air streamers and, and other, um, you know, other travel trailers and things like Harley Davidson does rallies for their motorcycles. So a rally is a social and educational gathering. And uh, you get to meet some of the people that you may have been talking with on Facebook or met on Facebook. And here at this rally are many people that I've met before at other rallies or just met on the road. I'm going to be speaking tomorrow on safety for the solo female traveler. And uh, as one, one of the topics I address in my book and just uh, selling my books here and signing them at the RV rally. Wow, that is so cool. I mean, if you're gonna have an RV, the Airstream is obviously the coolest one to have. So how did you find your RV? Well, I had no conception of doing this. I'd never camped in an RV before. And I was really at a crossroads in my life and at a point where I knew I had a good deal of flexibility that I didn't have to stay in Northern Virginia anymore because my kids were grown and one was out of the house, the other was about to launch. And the job I had been working at really as a project manager with a bit of being in-house counsel, I, um, I had completed the major projects that I really was hired to work on. So I just kind of was praying on a regular basis about what did God want me to do with the rest of my life? Because I really didn't have an idea where I wanted to go mm -hmm. or what I wanted to do. So I, um, I'm driving down I-95, which I'm sure you can appreciate being from the area. Mm -hmm. And I, my eye was caught by a sparkling at the side of the road. And it was a bunch of shiny silvery airstreams. I didn't know what they were. I thought they might have been spaceship models. And I thought, wow, there's a sci-fi convention. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's funny. So on my way back, I stopped. And lo and behold, it was an Airstream dealership. And as soon as I walked into the Airstream, I realized, oh, my gosh, I could live in one of these because they're beautiful. It's like a, it's like a small, luxurious studio apartment. And everything you need is inside your stove and bed, a table, refrigerator, uh, sink, bathroom, shower. Wow. And besides that, it's really pretty. It's yeah. just so it's very cleverly designed. It's like I had been looking at little tiny houses and here it was the tiny house on wheels. That was just perfect for my next stage in life. That's so cool. I once stayed in Cape Town, South Africa, on the top of a hotel that had Airstreams as rooms. Wow. On the, on the hotel. And they were That's all cool. decorated as it, in a certain theme. Like one was like a jungle theme, one was a storybook theme. It was really cool. And they had a fire pit in the middle and an, a place to show outdoor movies. It was very, very clever. That's great. Well, you got a little bit of a camping feeling then yes. doing that. Yes. And the, the rally that I'm at now is not something that I, I typically do. I go to them a few times a year. Uh, more typically, I volunteer and I work in 
a state park or a private RV park. And I'll be helping out with checking in RVers or working at the store or clearing trails or even cleaning bathrooms. <laughs> and uh, a far cry from my very cerebral work previously, but it means I don't have to join a gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's putting a silver lining on it. Good for you. Yeah, or so, maybe an aluminum lining in this case. Right, right. I've always <laughs> wondered like, when you live in a mobile home and, or an RV, uh, do you have to um, dispose of your own waste or how does that work? Yes, you do. I have, um, I have a freshwater tank and I have a gray water tank and a black water tank. Ah. So gray water is everything that is shower and sinks. So okay. it's your soapy water. And you try not to have food and stuff like little particles of food go down the drain. I mean, you're careful to wipe your plates. Um, I, I wipe them with paper towels and throw out the paper towels. Um, so I'm not using up precious water to simply rinse things that I could wipe off. And then um, black water is everything that goes through the toilet. So what happens is your waste goes into a holding tank and then periodically you dump it out at a dump station. And that might be a municipal dump station. Sometimes they have them at different gas stations um, or at campgrounds or parks. And uh, if you're lucky or you've paid for it, you may have your own personal sewer hookup at your campsite. And essentially you attach a, a large accordion shaped hose, which um, we call the stinky slinky. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we, you attach that to your, one end of your tank where the valves are and you attach the other end to the, the site for the dump station, the intake for it. And once they're secured at both ends, then you open up your valves and gravity dumps your tanks. And then you hit, there's different ways of rinsing them out with water. You can simply go inside and put water down the toilet to rinse it out some, or the Airstream has a feature where you can take a hose specially reserved for this purpose and no other and attach it to a water source and actually spray the inside of your black tank. Um, and it, it sounds really kind of gross, but it's not bad. It's much easier than changing a diaper. Ah, well, there's another positive way of looking at it. Thank you for that, because I am very seriously thinking of doing something similar to what you're doing after I retire or my significant other retires. And, and I think it's just so cool what you're doing. So thank you for sharing that, um, the more practical part of living on the road with us. So I want to hear more about what made you decide to significantly reduce everything you owned and hit the road. Like, how did you embark on this journey? What brought you to it? Sure. Well, I, I would say I like to joke that my life was a progressive series of downsizings. I mean, I, I started out at a high power law firm, Hunton and Williams, and I was on partnership track. 
And then I had, um, I had an occasion to really um, sort of stay, take stock of where I was in life. I, a friend of mine passed away, someone who had been at UVA Law School, in fact, a year ahead of us, David Battaglia was his name. Uh-huh. And uh, he was working with Manhunton and Williams. And the, that really was the impetus for me to start praying again and go back to church after being absent for nearly two decades. And as I rediscovered my faith, I decided that I really wanted to do something more meaningful with my life. And so I decided to work for the federal government doing consumer protection work. And I did that for quite a number of years. And unfortunately, near the end of my time working for that, I went through some difficulties in my families. I went through a very difficult divorce and became seriously depressed to the point where I really could not function as an attorney. So I retired from my job at the Federal Trade Commission and explored alternatives for a couple of years while I stayed home with my kids and ended up working eventually at Tepeyac OBGYN, um, which is a Catholic pro-life medical practice. And really progressively throughout this time, I just kept growing in my faith and deepening my faith until I got to the point where I felt like, you know, whatever God wanted of me, I'd be happy to do. Even I I was thinking, well, maybe I should go work with uh, Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity, Mm -hmm. or maybe I should work for a pro bono law firm. Um, You know, there were a whole variety of possibilities. And essentially, I gave it all to God, and he caught my attention with the airstreams and the message I kept getting in prayer and through reading scripture and listening to the readings at mass all had the same theme and they were that I should follow him and just trust him and just be detached from the things I already had. So based upon that, I sold my house in Fairfax city and I gave notice at my job at Tepeyac and started exploring how I would live and travel on the road full time. So the downsizing part of it, I talk about in my book because it was actually very freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I li- when I was married, my ex-husband and I had a very nice home in the Washington DC suburbs. And so I sort of downsized from that when I got divorced to live in a townhouse and then downsized every time I moved after that, I was moving into sort of a smaller place. And so I'd gotten, I'd gotten used to getting rid of things, but this was a whole different ball of wax because I went from a 2,500 square foot townhome to a, an Airstream. The first one that I had was 25 feet by eight feet. And that 25 feet by eight feet already included the dinette um, and a couch, a bed, all my appliances and all. So the actual living space, which was much smaller. So I basically did a a home parting party and gave away a lot of my furniture and a lot of my belongings. I sold a little bit, but I didn't really wanna go through all the hassle of Craigslist 
and you always think that the things you have are worth more than they really are. Mm -hmm. So I just got a lot of joy out of giving them away to other people who could use them. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I think I ended up with 36 garbage bags of belongings that I was able to just take to the dump and just get rid of because honestly, I had I had dresses from high school still hanging in my closets that I'd been toting around all those years. So it was um, it was quite a quite a process, but I just buckled down and worked on it every single day. And because I was so happy with the goal and I knew it was gonna be so freeing to not be tied down to taking care of a big expensive house, I was actually very excited during the, this whole time. And it proved surprisingly painless to get rid of a lot of things. Yes, yes. And, and what a service you've done to for your children, because actuarially speaking, you're likely to pass before they do. And I just spent weeks uh, helping my mother when her husband died. And there's just so much stuff that people accumulate over a lifetime. So, so good for you. I'm, I'm really happy for you that you have found uh, something that works for you and your own brand of minimalism that is good for our our world and our environment. So thank you for that. Living in an Airstream really puts, or any kind of RV really makes you realize how close you can be to nature and how wasteful we are with things. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I've truly grown in appreciation for is water mm. because you have to get your water. <laughs> Right. You can't take it for granted and you have to be careful how you use it, especially if you're camping off grid. I have solar panels on the roof of my Airstream and I have batteries that are, uh, they're called AGM deep cycle marine batteries. So they retain a charge very well. Many of my appliances operate on both pro liquid propane gas or 12 volt electricity which is the kind that's in the batteries. And so I can be off grid and not hooked up to an external source of electricity or an external source of water, basically for about a week, if I'm careful in how I manage my resources. Wow. And that's, that is wonderful because wow. it opens up so many possibilities for places to park, especially in areas where there's a lot more public land, mainly out west. Yes. Wow. That's fantastic. What do your kids think of what you're doing? They think it's really cool. And they're also relieved that I didn't sort of join the Peace Corps and go to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> because they can still see me. I can roll into town. I have my privacy and I can visit with them. And then when we start getting on top of each other too much, I can just drive away to the next place. Wow, very cool. And um, are there Airstreams where you don't need to pull them behind a truck? Like it's a vehicle in and of itself? Yes, yes. They're called the Atlas and the Interstate. And uh, they are a, I guess what you would call a class B RV which means um, a, a, they're self-contained. They're built on a Mercedes-Benz uh, van chassis. Mm -hmm. 
And so, so what made you decide to do it the way you do, which is with you haul it with a big, powerful truck? Well, hauling my trailer around with the truck lets me settle the trailer in one place, unhitch, and not have to carry my whole house with me anytime I want to go to the grocery store <laughs> or meet a friend for a movie or something like that. I... Um, I can go explore with the truck. I can also go explore places that are rougher than I would want to bring my little home into. Sure. If I want to go, you know, on uh, dirt or gravel roads in a park area, I can do that with the truck very easily and then just come back to my little home at night. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. And your blog and your book have a decidedly spiritual tone. So it feels like to me that you found a deep spirituality in the later chapter or and current chapter of your life. How did that come about for you? I definitely have. And it's and much more so since going on the road. Hmm. Why do you think that happened? Radically trust him in my travels and really radically trust him in my life. And doing that has been very freeing and a great source of peace and joy because I don't get so fond of my own plans. Uh, if you have to be flexible when you're living as a nomad. You might make all the plans in the world, but the weather might be something that you need to leave an area for. Or you might run into somebody who says, oh, I'm going to this thing and you would love it. And it's three states away and you can just pick up and go. Mm, so um, nice. it is. And I would say most of my volunteer opportunities have really fallen into my lap. And the volunteering is something that I like to do because it means you can stay in one place for a longer period of time than you normally would be able to. So most parks make you move every couple of weeks, but mm -hmm. every time I've had a volunteer opportunity, it's been something where there were just a remarkable series of coincidences. I wasn't even applying for a job and it just fell into my lap. So I, I start to really perceive the hand of God in a lot of things that I might not otherwise because my pace of life has slowed down so much and I have time to contemplate and to reflect and to really talk to other people too about how much God loves them and how he really has a purpose for everybody. It doesn't involve traveling in a travel trailer necessarily, <laughs> but, um, but you can really go on your own journey of being closer to God and trying to discover your own identity of who you were made to be right? without traveling in a travel trailer. And you mentioned earlier that uh, you were raised Catholic, you fell away from the church, but then you returned to your Catholic roots. Was there ever um, an exploration of other faith traditions? Absolutely. I definitely church shopped at one point in my life. Actually, when uh, when my ex-husband and I were getting married, we 
he was a former Catholic also, and we went to a number of different churches, Methodist, Unitarian, um, several other denominations. But for me, nothing ever really felt like a church. And I realized later, once I learned more about my own faith, that that was because of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, that I really felt as I went back to church and started praying, I really recognized all of a sudden there's a real person in the tabernacle. This is a person who, who loves me and is waiting for me to spend time in conversation with him. And so I think that was why I never really gravitated to another church. And when I did come back, um, that's where I went. But it was more of an unconscious thing. And then as I started to study church history and read a lot, to the extent that I may have considered other churches, as I started reading the early church fathers and reading scripture, I just came to believe that this, this is the church that Jesus Christ founded. And if I was going to be a Christian, that this is the church the denomination that I belonged in. I see. And um, well, I was raised Catholic and I, I really enjoy the ritual of Catholic services and find great comfort in certain parts of my faith in terms of Catholicism. But I have great difficulty with what I view to be some of the man-made mistakes in our church. And I wonder uh, how, how do you grapple with them or do you accept um, all the teachings of the Catholic Church? Well, I do accept all the teachings of the Catholic Church, but often those teachings are misunderstood. And there's a difference between the teachings and the way in which they are proclaimed or the way in which the people proclaiming them behave. I mean, the original apostles, let's face it, were pretty much a bunch of bozos. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they did really bad things mm -hmm. and they left Jesus alone. Uh, they quarreled right after he told them that he was going to die on the cross to save man from original sin. Mm -hmm. um, they, they quarreled about who was gonna be greater. Mm -hmm. and, and of course the betrayal um, by Judas, the betrayal by Peter, mm -hmm. um, and so just being the fact that someone's in the Catholic Church or even part of the Catholic Church hierarchy doesn't mean that they're necessarily a good person or that they're really living their faith um, faithfully and completely. But yeah. that's sort of between that person and, and God. And right. so my feeling was, um, you know, like, like Pope Francis, I don't feel like it's my role to judge. That's God's role. Yes. It's my role to figure out, well, um, how can I do what God asks of me? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't, when I'm talking to someone about faith, I don't lead with the most difficult teachings because there's many teachings of the church that with, in, a lot of genuineness you can doubt and you can grapple with, you can feel that they don't make sense to you. Mm -hmm. um, but God leaves us free 
he wants us to he wants us to embrace him mm -hmm. and so fundamentally if you're struggling with a teaching or you're not sure that you agree with it or even if you're sure you don't agree with it it's not necessarily something that should keep you from the church if it's gotcha. in I think in good conscience, you are struggling to understand it and struggling to live with it. Gotcha. Well, um, I like to ask all my guests, how do you become your best version? Well, my response to that is becoming my best version was a matter of setting aside time every single day where it's just me and God where I can pray and develop an even closer relationship with him because he made me to be the best version of myself. And I keep on peeling the layers and uncovering that the closer that I get to Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Well, again, everyone, check out tincanpilgrim.com. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Linda, it's so great to see you again and i look forward to future collaborations that sounds wonderful it's so delightful to renew our relationship maria absolutely thank you thank you so much